Turn to Psalm 37. We'll look at this. And we'll look at one verse. Talked about this a few months ago, but I got stuck on this. Just couldn't get off, so I just said I'll do it again, and, and it always comes out different anyway. And the question is today, are you enjoying God? Are you delighting? The Bible says here, verse 4 of Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, your will will be so entwined with His will that actually His will will be done in your life as we surrender. And um, so He will give you, because your desires will be what God desires. And uh, he'll give you the desires. He knows it's already. You, you, you're so, so in love with Jesus is that you know his heartbeat. You know what he wants. And so everything you do will be obviously done to please him. And so that is the, the obviously topic today. But sometimes in our religious walk, in our relationship, it turns into a duty. You know, and we'll re-question is why are you here today? Are you here to delight yourself in the Lord or has it become a duty? Uh, obviously, duty is a very harsh taskmaster, isn't it? You remember there in, uh, when the, uh, the landowner went away and said, I'm going to leave my servant's responsibility. And he gave some particular ones talents. And he said, now you invest these. And, um, and when I come back, I want to see how you did. Well, the first two servants... They obviously invested very well and they had more and multiplied what they uh, had put in. But I believe it was the third servant. He said, Oh, I, you know, I didn't do anything with mine and, and all. And, um, he said, because I'd heard you were a hard taskmaster. I heard you were, you were a hard man to please. And so he didn't do anything with it. And as it wound up, obviously God said, well, uh, and the, the, the landowner said, I'll take away what you got and give it to the others because they were faithful. And so our view of God is very important in understanding whether or not we will delight ourselves in the Lord or whether or not it turns into a duty, gets, comes into drudgery. And did you, and the question is today, did you come to the church? And I've talked about even last week a little bit about it. Did you start thinking? Now you think about the Lord, uh, obviously continuously, but did on Wednesday, maybe you began to ask the Lord to begin to sort of stir an expectancy that when you came in here on Sunday morning, that in some way or another, you would be looking for God. You'd be looking for Him. You'd be saying, Lord, I've got a tent of ears to what you want to say to me today. I, I've got a heart that's receptive and, and desiring to be obedient to you. And so as you come maybe Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, as that anticipation begins to heighten, did you do that and think about it? Because to delight yourself in the Lord, you've got to obviously See, God is someone that you just, you love to be with. You remember the story of Adam? You remember he, God had, had given him a responsibility there in the garden. And he said, you can eat of all the trees except for the one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat of that one. And so you have everything else. I've given this all to you. And, and then, and, and it was such a great gift, all the blessings that Adam and Eve had there. But the one blessing that they had that was so important, and that is that God would meet with them in the coolness of that time. 
period in the garden and meet with them. And they would have communion. They'd have fellowship together. Until Adam, they took obviously of the fruit of the tree and they sinned and they fell and that broke that particular in that way of the relationship. But Jesus Christ came to restore that relationship. In fact, he restored that relationship as he came and gave himself. And so he restored the fact that we can come and we dwell now in the presence of the Lord. 24-7, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So you're never alone. That's the one thing the Bible is very clear about. You're never alone. And then we know, obviously, at Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. He came. And obviously, when he ascended, he said, it's very important that I go back to be with the Father and, and also that I can send the Holy Spirit who will be in you and who will be with you. It's very important to know that. The Holy Spirit's here right now. He's here. And everything that we do in this place is to lift his holy name up, to give him glory, but also to delight in him. Because when you begin to obviously delight in him and love him in that way, is that you begin to do the things that God desires for you to do. But if he's a taskmaster, and man, I think God's up there with his big, his big stick, and the minute I step out of line, he's going to whack me. And you think of him in that way. I want to tell you, you won't want a relationship with that. It'd be too harsh. It'd be too, too obviously the, too hard on you. But we are to come. We enjoy the presence of the Lord. The first thing here I want to mention that is, is to know that we were created for this delight. When Adam and Eve, again, we were created for this delight, certainly here. <clears throat> and God gave Adam work that was affirming and meaningful. He's a gardener of God. And he's privileged to do a work that God has assigned him to do. You know, when you have an assignment from the Lord, I love it. Because when I know God has maybe led me to do something or maybe to share in a certain way, let me tell you today, it just thrills my soul. It just gives me the, the attaboy, just get, get, get at it when God gives me that. And Adam was the same way. God had given Adam an assignment to do this. And he was thrilled to be able to do it. And I'll ask you this question today. When God gives you assignment, aren't you glad to have that assignment from the Lord? Because you know God's blessing. Now, sometimes it might be some hard things we have to go through. But let me tell you, ultimately, God's got a higher purpose for each of our lives. He's got a purpose for your life and my life. And I want to walk in that purpose. I live to walk in the highest purpose of God. I live to do the will of God. And if you will to do the will of God today, I believe that you will do that if you will it. Because you sometimes people say, well, what is the will of God? Well, get into the word of God, first of all. But certainly know that God knows what's best for you and me. And he knows how to bless your life. The problem is many times we believe our plans are better than his plans and we go on our own way. And so that's what happened with Adam and Eve. And they fell there and they sinned. And remember when uh, his disciples um, asked Jesus, you know, how, how he was energized doing the will of God there. And in John chapter four, it says this, what Jesus is like, how does Jesus keep doing this? Why is Jesus so bent on doing the will of God? Listen to what the word said in John chapter four. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
the work God gave Adam to do yielded something in his soul that was absolutely wonderful for Adam. Dressing the, that garden was a delight much more than a duty. When you turn the things of God in just a duty that I've got to do this or a bunch of rules and regulations, you don't want to do them. You'll eventually tire because you're not able to come up under the burden. Jesus came and said, be yourselves. I came to set you free. You know, we get up and, and, and we think, well, I've got to put on a certain image. I've got to do this and that. No, God says, be yourself to begin with, and I'll change you in the way that I desire to change you. But he says, you can't make it into a duty because if you do, it'd become drudgery. You know, some people just come to church out of habit and so forth. I come because I want to meet with God. I want to meet with God's people. I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear the prayers. I want to hear the testimonies. I want to see God working in people's lives today. And I believe that happens every time you and I come in this, these doors because corporate worship is so important. Coming together. Many people have, have somehow forsaken the assembling of themselves together and they're not in the church house today. But if you come in this church house, no matter how well I preach the sermon or how well the service goes, although we we strive for excellence, let me tell you, something's going to happen in your life simply because you were obedient to coming in the church house and and wanting to worship God. Something's going to happen. So we see here, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you desires of your life, of of your heart there. So if you think about it, you know, Whatever it is that's missing in your life, if you think about with Adam, remember um, God says, you know, I want to give you really an ultimate here. And what he says in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone and I'll make a helper suitable for him. And you know what followed that observation there. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had made taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Is there anything missing in your life today? Well, there was something missing in Adam's life. And he gave him that companion to be with him through that. And the issue with us, is anything missing in your life today? Do you feel a void down in the depths of your being? And do you feel like you're lonely? Do you feel that maybe, you know, nobody cares about you and all? Let me tell you, I know there's one who cares about you and who loves you and will come along beside you and will help you through this life. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. Jesus will fulfill that need. Jesus will be that companion that you need, whatever it may be that you need. And everything we've described was for Adam's enjoyment. But none, obviously, was the most important thing for Adam. More important than a perfect environment, a perfect mate, was the daily presence of God. In the cool of the morning, God would meet with Adam and Eve, and he, He would fellowship with them because they were a delight to Him. Do you know that you and I are a delight to God? Didn't that just blow your mind? You and I are special in God's eyes. I've always said, obviously, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And you always heard that expression? Isn't that great? Don't ever forget it. I remind ourselves. I remind me. Don't ever forget it. Man, he made you the way you are. He didn't make a mistake. 
He made you with, the, obviously, characteristics. He made you with your personality. He made you exactly the way you are. And He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Obviously, this delight was broken by only one thing when they went and partake of the fruit of the, the knowledge of, the, of good and evil there. And, and Satan had destroyed their delight in the Lord. And he goes around looking for opportunities to rub, rob us in the same way. Jesus followed the statement by saying, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But the enemy, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Think about it. The second thing here is discover God's goodness for yourself. Think back how you've experienced the goodness of the Lord. Has he protected you and and maybe you've been out on the highway. He protected, he protected me Wednesday when I was coming here because I don't want to have a flat tire to where, you know, you got to get on the edge and you got to kind of sit out here and cars are breezing by you as fast as they are. So I stopped and got some of that fix-a-flat stuff sprayed in there and God let me uh, gave me time to be able to do that because sometimes flats go real quick. And um, the uh, I sprayed that in there and, and halfway in the city and I came back and came to discount tire here, and it was a horrible, it was like a big, huge, uh, huge type of nails type of thing that stuck in the tire. He said, sir, we can't fix it because it's on the edge there. I could have blown out, but God protected me, and I give him praise for it, amen? I mean, we, we sometimes overlook these things like this. God takes care of you and me, and he does it on a regular basis. And sometimes we just take it for granted, don't we? But he takes care of us. And so we look back and say, somehow discover God's goodness for yourself. How has he delivered you? If he delivered you and you've been born again, then obviously you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And God has redeemed you. I praise God throughout eternity. You know, I was always talking, I'll never forget this. And I'll share this story over and over again. And I don't want to be redundant by it. But when the pastor said, you know, he gave his house to somebody and the, uh, the, uh, his wife and them both agreed. God had said to give their house to somebody. And somebody said, how in the world did you do that? Cause he's a giver. He just gave. And we're to give. We're to give as the Lord obviously directs, certainly tithes and offerings, but we're to give like that. But, but he gave and, and somebody asked his wife and his name, her name's Debbie and said, Debbie, how, how, how did you do that? And she said, because my husband has never gotten over being saved, has never gotten over being saved. He came out of drugs. He's a pastor up in Dallas now of a large, a large church up there. But he's never gotten over. I don't want, ever want to get over being saved and being grateful to the Lord for my salvation. Let me tell you today, I know where I'm going today when I take my last breath. Do you? Do you know where you're going? Because there's no kind of a, a, a stopping off place. There's no more of a holding pattern. We go into the presence of the Lord. And I want to know, I want to see him. My one desire to live is to do the will of God. My one desire to live is obviously to see revival and come back and this nation return. Not everybody will, but let me tell you today, there are many people out there that break my heart when I see them because of the way they're living. And they need to know the truth because the truth will set them free. You got to taste and see that the Lord is good. I've always said today, I love marble slab. I love, Mar- I don't know what it is about Marble Sab, Jerry and Phyllis and everybody and, and obviously Audrey and Pam know. They know. All of you know me. I love Marble Slab. I'm not saying this is an advertisement. Don't get me wrong. 
But I love marble slab. And I can tell you the ingredients in there because it's got a lot of cream in it. Got a lot of chocolate and got a lot of sugar in it, let me tell you. And I can tell you about the ingredients all day long. But until you've tasted marble slab, you don't know. Until you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you don't know how good our God is. So when you look at it and you begin to experience Him in that way, let me tell you, then you see that He is good. Begin, obviously, to discover God's goodness towards you. And then you'll obviously know and delight yourself in the Lord. And He'll give you the desires of your heart. The third thing is, is, is begin to somehow n- n- uh, nurture an, an attitude of gratitude. Thank Him for all things. Remember your past experiences with Him and, and, and all of what He told you. You know, the Bible never tells us to worry. One of the things in Christians' lives that I face too, we're always challenged with something to worry about. We're going to have enough money. We worry about this. We worry about that. The Bible never tells you to worry. The Bible always tells us to pray, right? Always, but never to worry. And so many times we fret and fume and and we worry about whether or not God's provision is going to be there or whatever it may be and so forth. And before long, we've gotten off track and and we're no longer delighting ourselves in the Lord, right? And we then turn it into a duty. Drudgery. He's a taskmaster. He's hard. He's harsh. I'm never going to be able to please Him. Oh, yes, you will. Yes, you will. But don't let your heart get hard. Begin to turn to Him. Taste that He's and see that He is good. And no matter whether or not you're able to see something happening or not, by faith, God is never idle. God is always working. Remember this. Don't forget it. God is always working on your behalf and my behalf. It doesn't make any difference what you're going through in life. It doesn't make any difference where you are in life. But... The issue we have many times is that we, we've experienced this just like the children of Israel when they passed through the Red Sea, remember? They were rejoicing. I want to tell you today, Israel celebrated that great deliverance there because that deliverance is symbolic of our deliverance out of the slavery of sin. They came out of the slavery of Egypt. Symbolically, we were slaves of sin. We were enemies of God, the Bible says, before we got saved. But once we're saved, obviously, we are set free. So we have an opportunity to rejoice and praise Him. But the Israelites began to murmur and complain. They walked away and obviously they wandered in the, in the wilderness for all that particular time. And yet, they didn't realize what God was speaking to them. I want to read these words to the song. If I can, if I can find it here. This is a song by a group named Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And I'm, I'm trying to get the words of it because I love the words of it. Um, here it is. Here it is. And it's entitled, Favorite Song of All. It says, He loves to hear the wind sing as it whistles through the pines and mountain leaves. And he loves to hear the raindrops as they splash to the ground in a magic melody. He smiles in sweet approval as the waves crash through the rocks in harmony and creation joins in unity 
to sing to him majestic symphonies. But his favorite song of all, God's favorite song of all, is the song of the redeemed. When lost sinners now made clean, lift their voices loud and strong. When those purchased by his blood, lift to him a song of love. There's nothing more he'd rather hear, nor so pleasing to his ear as his favorite song of all. And he loves to hear the angels as they sing, Holy, holy is the Lamb. Heaven's choirs in harmony lift up praises to the great I Am. But he lifts his hands for silence when the weakest saved by grace begins to sing and a million angels listen as a newborn soul sings, I've been redeemed. Because his favorite song of all is the song of the redeemed. When lost sinners now made clean, lift their voices loud and strong. When those purchased by his blood, lift to him a song of love. There's nothing more he'd rather hear, nor so pleasing to his ear as his favorite song of all. It's not just melodies and harmonies that catches his attention. It's not just clever lines and phrases that causes him to stop and listen. But with anyone set free, washed and bought by Calvary, begins to sing. That's his favorite song of all. He lifts his hands in silence. When one lost soul sings, I've been redeemed. And I want to tell you today, one lost soul sings, I've been redeemed. I've been saved because I needed salvation. I was reflecting on it this morning and, and I was praying and, and I thought about it in terms and I said, you know, God didn't have to save me. I had wandered way off. He didn't have to save me. But He touched me. He touched me. And I'll never be the same. He didn't have to. Because He gave Himself voluntarily at Calvary so that my sins, all the junk in my life, was washed in the blood of the Lamb. Greatest thing. When Israel left the promise, left Egypt, and they were praising the Lord. And it says that Miriam, Moses' sister, took tambourines and was praising God, worshiping Him, glorifying His name. And so when I delight myself in the Lord, I know that He'll give me the desires of my heart because I know that my heart will be so entwined in God's heart is that I'll be obviously doing and speaking and saying and, and, and walking in the ways of God that it will be obviously His will being done in and through my life, moment by moment, no matter what. When that one person says, I've been redeemed, I've been saved, giving my heart to Jesus Christ, God raises His hand and says, oh, be still, be quiet. I want to hear that song of that one. You see, Israelites lost their joy 
And any time we allow sin and rebellion or, or lack of obedience in our lives to come into our lives, and we, we tolerate that in our lives, then we lose that joy. We lose that song in our hearts. We no longer have that song because we obviously allow these other things to enter in. And God says, I'm not going to take second place to anybody or anything. You know, when the Bible says Matthew 22, where Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, your heart with all, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That actually is a commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's not somehow on a sort of like, maybe if I want to or maybe I don't. It is actually a commandment. God has given us that choice today. Whether or not, obviously, walk and move into the promised land or whether or not we're going to stay in the wilderness. But if you go into the promised land, the joy, there'll be a celebration, let me tell you. I want to tell you today, there's going to be a celebration you remember what happened in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. They were in a jail. And they began to sing and praise God and they were in a dingy place and they thanked God and praised Him even. And they weren't really, they didn't do anything and they were just thrown in jail. You remember what happened? The jail doors swung open and their shackles fell off of them. And the jailer started to kill himself because he knew that if the prisoners escaped that Rome would kill him. And, and remember, Paul went over and said, don't do that, don't do that. And remember what happened? Because they had tasted and seen that the Lord was good, this, they, they all received salvation and also their household. Because they had tasted and seen that God is good. you got to taste Him. you got to know. Delighting yourself in the Lord and not somehow moving into drudgery and some type of performance or trying to be. Be yourself. God created you. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The fourth thing is desire to please God and you will be pleased with God. Make up your mind. You can't straddle the fence. You can't say, well, I kind of want to do this and so forth, but I got a lot more life to live and I really want to have a whole lot of fun. No, you either right now just Say, I'm a please God because as obviously to know that he, he's pleased with you, you got to please him and say, make a commitment in your heart. I want to please you, Lord. I want to please you. You won't always, you'll stumble because obviously we know there'll be times we're challenged, but God says, I see your heart and I'm going to come along. I'll give you help no matter what it is. We make that obviously our vision, our focus, and I want to please you no matter what. And obviously you'll be pleased with God if that takes place. You'll delight in the Lord here and you won't, it won't become drudgery or some type of duty. The fifth thing is, is that anticipate God's goodness, believing and know that he will reveal himself in that way. There are pleasures of sin for a season, but there are consequences when you sin. When you've wandered away, we see sometimes, you know, we're, we're sometimes tempted to say it's vain to serve the Lord. And, but we need to look at the big picture. And obviously the teaching today in our Sunday school class and looking forward to that time because as, as Tony said earlier, said we face the judgment seat of Christ. That's not to put fear in us, but it is also to make us realize today we are responsible for what we do in our lives. Not just obviously before we accept Christ, but after we accept Christ. We're not judged upon that. It's grace and we're saved. 
but we'll be judged for the works we do for the Lord under His guidance and under His will. We'll stand. It's all grace, and God gives grace. But let me tell you, I believe when you begin to look at the eternal aspect of life, you begin to see life differently than what you are. Now, life is very brief. The Bible says in James, it's like a mist, it's like a vapor. Real quick, it's here. You're here one day, you're gone tomorrow. Delight yourself. God said, don't waste your life with thinking it's a duty to serve me. Get close to Jesus and serve him that he'll be a delight to you and he'll be a delight to me. Blessings of the Lord, I want to tell you. I want to share this at the end and I want to share the fact that what I'm talking about, and I'll be sharing more about this in the future. We talked about last week right at the end about the Magi coming to Jesus. And they uh, came into the presence of Christ. They fell at his presence. They were shattered. They collapsed. And they had exceedingly great joy. Now, these were wealthy, very intellectual people also. Remember that. They weren't this highly emotional people, okay? I'm a, I'm more of a psychosocial type of person and all and so forth. If you've got all types, God's made us the way we are. But these people were wealthy and they were very intelligent and they fell at the feet of baby, of the child, Jesus, there. I want to suggest to you too, and I want it because I want all of you and in that way to just worship God in this place when you come corporately because it is very important when we come together, that obviously we worship God as the Lord directs you. We've all been raised in traditions that obviously tell us certain things and so forth. And I'm not telling you how to worship. There are all types of forms of worship and and how we express that. But I believe one thing, and you'll never convince me otherwise, and that is obviously is there is expression in worship. When you're touched by God's grace, there is a, a visible demonstration that something has happened, right? Can't go around and just saying, giving an intellectual agreement with God. The enemy knows that uh, Jesus is Lord. There's something happens when you're touched by God's grace. So I want to just say today, pray about it. And I'm going to mention a couple of scriptures here and then we'll close. In Psalm 47, verse 1. It says, clap your hands, all you people. And then he says, shout to God with a joyful sound and voice. Clap your hands, all you people. Okay. The second one is Psalm 95. And it's all throughout the Psalms if you read it. I believe the whole Bible was for today. Okay, by the way. Verse 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. And let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. When you come, express it to the Lord. As the Lord leads you, not in a fleshly manner, doesn't have to be flesh. I'm not telling you how to do it, but I'm just saying. I'm saying today, pray about it. And I'm saying, come sing to the Lord, praise Him. He's worthy of our praise. The other verse is verse 6. Listen to this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. 
Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. What would happen if one, two, three, or somebody would take a kneel at the pew? What would happen if someone came and kneeled at the altar praising God, praying to the Lord, crying out to the Lord? What would happen if someone in the back somewhere, without being obviously or whatever God does or tells you, or you go over and you lay obviously prostrate before the Lord? What would happen? How would we feel about that? Just saying. And then the last one is Psalm 134, verse 2. Come, uh, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. And then it says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Worship is expressive. You sing to the Lord and bless Him. That's why when I mentioned as far as the banners coming, that's expression, that's honoring to the Lord. I'm not trying to become the church down the street. I'm trying to follow what God is placing on my heart. And when I believe the word of God says, when we come together, the worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's all I'm doing. And it's expressive. Singing to Him. Lord, when we get around that great crowd, around the throne of grace and we sing, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is. And he is to come. When God touched me, and this is me, I am a traditional, my background's Baptist, a traditional. Um, and I'm not saying again, I'm, I'm not saying anything as far as you got to do this and you got to do that. I'm saying you pray about it and then you get obedient to the Lord, whatever God calls you to do. When God touched my life in Pearland back in the, the, the mid-80s, and change me. Fill me. Touch me heart. Just touch me. And my whole heart changed. I realized he would have died for just me. If I was the only sinner in this world, Jesus still would have went to Calvary. One sinner, me. And he touched me and filled me. And I remember, I love my pastor over there. And he was a great man of God. And teach the word, taught the word of God. Preached the word of God. But sometimes on Sunday night, I, I would slip out and go down to Alvin, down to Living Stones, where they had praise and worship. And I would worship the Lord and, and lift my hands before the Lord and praise and sing to sing. It's different worship, different styles of worship. And I would praise Him. One time when Cindy and I were going through some real tough times and, and had some changes were coming in the church that we're pastoring. And uh, we went over to a church on I-10. And I knew the pastor. It was a large church. And he knew we were going through hard times and lifted up special prayer for us. And we were very much encouraged. And in that church, what they do is that the ladies and others would take those banners and go up and down the aisles and praise the Lord and, and worship the Lord. People of freedom. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't worry about what man says. You look to the Lord and let Him lead you. I'm just saying, be it obedient. 
And the reason I'm saying this is because I believe something is coming so big that we need to be ready. I'll share in the next few weeks what I believe God is laying on my heart because I want to be ready as the Spirit of God begins to change and move and so forth. My one desire, I have no other desire, and that, but my desire is to please God. When I please Him, then all other things will fall into place. That's all I want. And I want to mention to you today, I believe you're here for the same reason. Or you wouldn't have hung with me all those years that I've been here part of Lighthouse Fellowship. <laughs> Y'all would have already bolted. Yeah, I, pre- I love all of you. I appreciate all of you. And we've got so many great people here today come in and, and some for the first time, the second time, and all just coming back. I want to share with you. Can I share, Evelyn, what you said some years ago? I don't know how many years it was, but Evelyn testified one day. I'll never forget it. I told Evelyn. She stood up, and I believe it was prophetic. And she looked across this congregation. Do you remember it? And you said, I see this place filled with people praising and worshiping God. Do you remember that? I'll never forget it because I believe it was directly from the heart of God. What wishful thinking you were speaking, God was speaking through you. I see that. And I'm not talking about just doing, working for a big church. I'm not saying that. But I want to see you saved today. And the question is, do you know Jesus? Have Have you accepted Christ in your life? Is there any doubt in your mind? I'm not talking about, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm in church today and I'm doing some type of duty. Remember, it's not a duty, it's a delight. I'm asking you today, if you've never made that decision and you said, Jesus, I need you, I need you in my life. I need you to, to come into my life and save me because I know I have I've blown it. And I don't know what the future holds. And I want to know you because... You know, the it's fragile. The future's fragile. If you've never done that today. And I, if you would, just bow your heads for a moment. And I ask anybody here who's never, ever received Christ, if you'd lift your hand up. If you'd lift your hand right now. And just say, I want to receive Jesus. It's not, it's acknowledgement. Jesus said, you know, if you acknowledge me before my Father in public, He said, I will acknowledge you. But He said, if you won't, then I'll deny you never done that today second question if there's anybody here or a group of people that that maybe maybe something's happened you're saying there's a hunger there's something going on here and it's bigger a lot bigger than I am and I want to know Jesus in the fullness of what he desires I don't want just a shallow type of relationship I want a relationship with him that I know I'll carry over into eternity. If that's any of you here today, would you raise your hand? I want to know Jesus in that way. Would you raise your hand, please? Thank you, Jesus. Pray for each one of you. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, you would stir a hunger and thirst for righteousness like we've never known. And dear Lord, we draw so close to the Lord. We just ask your blessings upon every person here. How great and how... Obviously, this to, for them to step foot in the church house and, and come in to worship with us today and hear the Word of God. And so, Lord, do a mighty work in each of our lives today. If there's anybody here who's never really received Christ and they need to make sure of it, today would be the day they just say, Lord, I settle it with you. And then they would make it public. They would make it public before you. 
And Father, I just pray today you release such a, a spirit of praise and worship in this place because you're here. It'd be so much freedom just to be ourselves, not to be obnoxious or to be showy. We're not here for that. We're here to glorify the King. So Lord, we ask you to do that today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.